You are the most stubborn woman I ever knew. Yes, I am. But I need you to believe me right now. Now, come on, look at me. Come on. Am I stressed out? Do I have any symptoms of pressure sickness, tremors, slurred speech? No. No. But this is me, Lindsay, okay? You know me better than anybody in the world. Now watch my lips. I saw these things. I touched one of them, and it wasn't some clunky steel can like we would build. It glided. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was a machine. It was a machine, but it was alive. It was like a, like a dance of light. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we're feeling nostalgic for. We then revisit and review it to find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I am your host, Michael Jabez, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Connor O'Keen. Yeah, now, dear listeners, we're going to be plunging the depths of nostalgia this week. Uh, so you're going to want to keep an eye out for signs of uh, HPNS, high-pressure nostalgia syndrome. Yep, very nice. Uh, it starts out with shakes, then you start foaming at the mouth and defending James Cameron <laughs> with religious fervor. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I've been, I've been experiencing those symptoms for far too long. <laughs> what, what are the health risks of prolonged reaction in, uh, to this? This week we are hitting up the one of the lesser known James Cameron films, the 1989 suspense thriller action sci-fi The Abyss, written and directed by James Cameron himself. The film stars... Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Michael Bean, Kimberly Scott, Todd Graff, and Leo Burmester. Formerly married petroleum engineers who still have some issues to work out are drafted to assist a gung-ho team of Navy SEALs with a top-secret recovery operation. A nuclear sub has been ambushed and sunk under mysterious circumstances in some of the deepest waters on Earth. Surprise! There's actually aliens under there. Yeah. When you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Is that excellent <laughs> quote that the movie starts with? Yeah. So I am huge James Cameron stan, all round fan of his movies. I mm-hmm. uh, love all of his movies. Uh, this is one that well, took me a lot longer to get into than the as a kid. We've talked about like the Terminators and stuff, aliens, all of that. I haven't talked about yet, but th- those are easy wins for like young teenage audiences to watch. Of course. And then that connection of like, oh my God, the dude who made Terminator also made Alien. Oh, that's amazing. What an incredible mm. creative and an imaginative writer and director to like write both of these things and direct them. And they're so good. Oh my God. And mm. The Abyss was one that I saw and took far, far longer to make that connection that it was the same guy. Right, okay. But it also took me longer to appreciate this movie. Yeah, sure. But I love it now. I had, like I talked about with the Terminator movies, that I felt like that rite of passage of those, like, awesome movies that, like, you know, your dad and your uncles, like, talked about growing up and you were mm. like, oh, boy, I wish I could watch Terminator. And they're like, you're eight years old. Fucking grow yeah. up a bit first. <laughs> yeah. Because that'll give you nightmares, like Terminator 1 sort of did. And- this was one where I was, I think I was like 13 when I saw it. We were on holidays in Queensland, which is a part of Australia for those international people, visiting an auntie and uncle. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the amusement parks that are there and all that stuff, the nice beaches and weather. And uh, one night or over the course of a couple of nights, we watched movies. And that was where I first saw Alien. Mm-hmm. And then we also watched The Abyss one night as well. But I think I wasn't like paying attention enough, or I don't know if my dad actually went like, "Oh yeah, this is from the guy that did the second Alien that we just watched." But as like a thirteen-year-old kid, I was kind of like, not necessarily bored, but just like I wasn't following it. Like I wasn't really like hooked and that invested. There'd be like moments yeah, where I was sure. like, "Oh, that's cool," and then I would just kind of feel absent of anything for long yeah. stretches of it. Uh, and then it was only coming back to it like, you know, three, four years later that I was, you know, tracking down and watching all the James Cameron things that I was like, holy shit, this is like, I absolutely am enthralled. I find it so suspenseful. I'm hooked the whole time. Yeah. Like, yeah, so gripping, uh, which is not surprising that like, yeah, a younger kid wouldn't find it as interesting because it's not as action focused as 
a Terminator or an Aliens. Yeah. There's a lot more suspense to it. And now it just, yeah, it it's fits in there for me of one of the, just one of the really good movies that James Cameron's made because I love them all. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you were coming for this, seeing it for the first time. Yeah, I was coming into this completely blind. My only uh, exposure to this movie is that this is another movie that uh, my dad would rent often mm-hmm. when we would go to the video store. It was one of those, uh, there were like a handful of movies. It was like this, Fargo, um, and a, a couple of others where it was like, uh, you know, when you, you can't find something new to watch, you, the, the, the weeklies uh, are leaving you, leaving you high and dry. There's no, just nothing standing out to you, but you want to rent something, so you rent an old favourite. You, you, you rent a, a comfy comfy watch. Yeah. Um, this, was, this was one of his. Nice. And, uh, yeah, every time he'd be like, you seen The Abyss yet? I'm like, nah. He's like, it's a, it's a really good film. It's a ripper, ripper movie. And I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll get around to it. Uh, I think I only realised that it was a James Cameron film, shit, maybe in the last couple of years, Still didn't have any interest in in seeking it out and watching it because I had a bunch of uh, preconceived notions of what this movie was going to be. Um, okay. I thought it was going to be. Uh, I feel similar about water based movies as I do about water based levels in video games. Right. I'm like, yep. nah, it's going to be boring. People are going to be floating and walking around all slow underwater. Like, I can't be bothered. Video games have I don't a know really why. bad connotation for that. It just, it just feels like it's gonna. I'm gonna have to trudge through this movie. And then when you messaged me the other night, being like, "Hey, I've, uh, like, make sure you watch this version." Extended version. Extended version. You're like nearly three hours. I was like, oh god. And then because I, I uh, heard through the the grapevine that James Cameron's a big fucking nerd for, you know, the ocean. Stuff, yeah. and, and If you've seen Titanic, uh, deep, a lot of this stuff is sort of familiar. Sure, sure. Uh, deep sea exploration stuff. Like I thought this is going to get so bogged down in technical jargon that I'm going to feel utterly alienated. I'm not going to get anything out of this movie. Yeah. I was certain of it. Uh, and basically every worry that I had about this movie was completely sidestepped. And yes. I was so fucking won over by this movie, dude. I did not expect to be so riveted by this film. And I certainly did not expect to be uh, emotionally blindsided. I didn't expect <laughs> to care about these characters as much as I did. And I didn't expect to fucking bawl my eyes out at this film. Fuck uh, yeah. yeah, this movie, this movie hit like a fucking... Like a like a like crane the from a like, a, like the hammer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like a crane from the surface dropping onto my fucking head. But um, yeah, no, this was this was a really fucking fun uh, first viewing. Fuck yes, and and I can see why this is a, a really comfy uh, watch. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, for context, the theatrical cut I think is like ten hours. Tw- ten hours. T- 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Imagine that he actually well, they shortened fucking, they just the let, special they let, they let James off the leash, and then <laughs> years later, it was like I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> so this, yeah, so this movie was like I think two hours and two two hours twenty twenty. Yeah, just two hours twenty. This is interesting because unlike some of the other movies earlier in his career, like say Aliens, where the reason it got cut down to two hours was like a studio mandated kind of thing. Mm. This was him having. Total control, cut blanche over the edit, but mm. deciding himself, trying to weigh up the what audiences would accept for a runtime at the time. Mm. So he chopped it down himself by choice in 1989 when it was released. One of the worst performing of his movies ever to release. Wow. I think you can see in terms of the scope where he's starting to get a bit bigger and bolder in this movie and it's almost like you know he's wanting to do his big gigantic epics like an avatar or a, t- a titanic but he's not quite there yet with the technology no. and he's not quite there yet with honing you know all of those specifics to make it as widespread enjoyable as he's able to make a titanic and an avatar mm. so didn't perform very well and after those worries of our oh, audiences don't want to watch a longer movie dances with wolves comes out is like three hours long or more and wins like best picture at the Oscars. Right. So then he goes, okay, people are going to, if like, yeah, if it's a good, you know, gripping story, entertaining, people care and get invested, they're going to want to watch something that's three hours long. 
So he goes back in 93, I think, and Mm -hmm. does the special edition, finishes up effect shots for the cut ending and all of this stuff and re-releases it in the cinema. And yeah, like we're saying, like the 30 minutes of extra footage- yeah. A large chunk of that's from the ending, but a lot of it is as well is just extra time with the crew characters establishing and, you know, mm. getting familiar with all of them and stuff. And so I find this movie is like 100%, in my opinion, I'm like, no, you got to watch the extended version. It mm. gives you so much more context for like the message of the movie. All mm. of his movies are kind of sleeper, like humanitarian messages in a blockbuster shell yeah yeah okay this is like the i mean i haven't seen way of water yet uh but this might be up there at least with the first avatar in terms of being the least sleepy uh environmental totally totally yeah uh message film pretty on the nose but by the time it got to the point where it was hitting me repeatedly over the nose with this message Mm. it, it had won me over and i was i was I was on board for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know if it's him going like, hey, did you not get the message from like, we don't want a Terminator like future of robots yeah. murdering yeah, us. Yeah, we yeah. don't want a version of the future where corporations own militaries and colonize entire planets for their mm. whatever stuff with that evil capitalism in Alien. After this movie, then we get Terminator 2, which again- like the ending of that movie is like, hey, if a machine can learn the value value of human life, mm. maybe we can. <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. humans <laughs> that are the ones with the human life can learn that value. And then, of course, Avatar is that huge analog for colonialism and destroying our planet and all that stuff. People getting mm. post-Pandora depression, wanting to live in Pandora and it, it being that like, look around, like that's what our planet was like. And then we killed it and destroyed it for for blue jeans and light beer. <laughs> so in this movie, it's very much like that on the nose, but it's like, hey, do you want aliens to come and go, hey, if you're not going to fucking fix it, we will? <laughs> What's the story, boss? Folks, listen up. We've just been told to shut down the hole and prepare to move the rig. We've received an invitation to um, cooperate in a matter of national security. Now you know as much as I do. So we've got this whole... Cuban Missile Crisis kind of thing happening where this this nuclear sub gets taken down. It crashes really deep in the ocean. They need to retrieve it because it's got all these warheads in it. It could, mm. like, blow up the entire world with the amount of warheads that are in, like, a, an American nuclear sub. It's really close to cu- Cuba, so all of that stuff's happening with, like, Russia getting involved and, and all that stuff. So it's, like, another Cuban Missile Crisis all over again kind of thing. Mm. You're getting the sense that above the ocean... It's all of this stuff's boiling over between these these nations politically where, yeah, it's a scary time. But we're like underneath the ocean in this underground oil rig where they're like, we're sending down Navy SEALs and we're going to retrieve this and yada, yada. But then there's actually aliens down there. What's really strange about the original movie is you still have uh, Michael Bean, the leader of the SEALs, getting the, the pressure syndrome thing and going yeah. loopy uh, because of, like, the depths that they're at. He's still paranoid that the aliens are actually, like, Russian bogeys and yada yada, and so they take a nuke and they arm it, and he's like, I'm going to send that nuke down and blow up those those Russian bogeys, and then they have mm. to stop him. The weird thing about the theatrical cut besides that is that after the whole they go down and and deactivate the bomb so it doesn't blow up, all that Cuban Missile Crisis tension just disappears like they're just not addressed and when the aliens come and save him they take him down into that little uh like room and stuff like that and add oxygen in there and get the water out yeah and it basically it's been a while but i remember it basically being so cut down that he basically gets up and he's like why'd you save me and they show him this the the footage of it saying oh i knew this was a one-way trip i love you yeah 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 and they're like we saved you because of love and he's like oh thanks and then they raise up and get them out of the ocean and that's it yeah that's it there's no yeah, threat at all right. there's no like the entire message of that humanitarian like hey stop fucking up the planet otherwise yeah 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 well like you know we gave you a chance and we changed our mind because of like you know one group of people being nice mm. and 
good mm. and true to each other, but like you got to get your act together. There's no yeah. message at all about that. It feels like a real like wet fart of an end of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it wraps yeah, up right. so quickly and like without any point that you're like, oh shit, uh, that, that's strange. Because mm. what's interesting about this movie uh, when I'm like rewatching it, you know, giving it a little bit of an analyze because you're going, oh shit, we're going to be on a podcast, we've got to sound clever mm-hmm. and know our shit. Michael Bean's character, who's the the main antagonist of the film, from his mm. um, I can't remember the actual name of of the the, the syndrome because you've said the the, the, the prolonged. It, well, it's still one. HPNS. It's just the N stands for something else. Yeah, yeah. He is eliminated by like the end of the second act, basically. Yeah, and then we've got like a whole other act of got to go yeah, down I was and get the, the thing. Move. I'm like, oh my god, there's still like an hour and ten minutes left of this thing. Mm, mm. So even with him removed, it's like, well, the stakes of the nuke are there and then also the stakes of just the relationship between Bud and Lindsay. Like yeah, those yeah. things and, need and to get resolved generally as well. like, And generally, like, how are they going to get back up to the surface? Like, mm, Yeah, exactly. But without- If they deactivate this nuke, like, how do they get him back up? How do mm, they get themselves mm. back up? Like, it all seems- It's great. It really keeps you uh, guessing. You, you kind of never know where this movie is- they keep raising the stakes by like uh, lowering the cast deeper and deeper <laughs> into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of never know like where it's going to go. Mm. That's the that's what's strange with the theatrical version not having that ending of the the threat of the waves, the gigantic tsunamis just completely like engulfing uh, the earth. You're kind of uh, you do, kind of don't have that whole third act. So it's weird mm. that it's like oh we got rid of the the bad guy, it's kind of the end of act two. And then it's just kind of like, uh, it's just a little bit of wrap up and it's really short yeah. and it doesn't have that raising of stakes and like adding to that, like that final climax. It just kind of goes, yep, up, yep, no, they got yeah. raised up. They're out of the water now. Everything, everything's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes that, um, uh, a wet fart of an ending is right. It, it makes that whole thing, uh, just feel like an out of nowhere, Deus Ex Machina kind of ending, whereas yes, in yeah. the extended in the, the the director's cut, it feels like uh, earned. You know, mm, mm, yeah, that's what I really like about this long version of this movie is that it does feel earned, and it's like, yeah, it, it's it. Even when I've seen a movie, sometimes you go like, oh, okay, sit down for three hours and don't get up for pee breaks, or you know, it's not like a TV mm. show where you're like stopping and starting episodes and you go, all right, now I'm gonna have a ten minute break and then come back to mm. it. You guys will do that with a movie, but typically I'll sit down and go like, okay, I've got to get through this whole thing in one sitting. It can feel yeah. like a big slog or something. But yeah, once I started watching this, it was just like, yeah, no, this is so, so good. I love these characters. It's got the charm, I think, of the crew members and all of their different styles and personalities and hobbies and mm. whatnots. Really well written and the camaraderie between everybody and the dynamics that everybody has is really cool. Like like an Aliens or something with that big crew yeah. of Marines that was so cool in that movie. Where this yeah. is, but this is the like. Now nah, these are like a bunch of truckers and like yeah, yeah. You know, we we, we got our country music that we're singing along to, and we got. Oh, our I love that scene. Yeah, conspiracy that was really theorist dude who's got the rat and stuff, and yeah, they've got all these characters that that feel like distinct without feeling like caricatures, mm. and mm. without any uh, conflict or anything between them feeling contrived. It all feels really natural without not feeling, you know, cinematic. Yeah. He, he like, James Cameron uh, walks a really fucking fine and, and miraculous line uh, in this film, managing to, uh, again, I felt like I was going to feel alienated by all the, the information. And, that, like, from that first scene, that opening scene, he somehow makes the, what is, to me, gibberish, like, followable. What the hell is it? Tell you what, it's not. It's not one of ours. Sir, contact changing to heading 214. Speed 80 knots. 80 knots. Yeah, to the yeah. point where when a guy is like, you know, nothing goes 130 knots, I'm like, no, of course not. What, what could possibly be going 130 nuts? Like, <laughs> it gets me invested. And then the characters, again, same thing. It's like, ah, oh, well, once it gets to the, the scene of them singing, I'm like, oh, I really like all these people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I came into 
the introduction of these characters going, ah, I'm probably going to fucking hate this conspiracy theorist guy. Ah, I'm probably going to fucking hate the redneck. You know, I'm probably going to fucking hate the captain. I'm going I'm to hate everybody in this fucking movie. But I ended up really fucking loving all of these people. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, and I think even the even the Michael Bean character is like, uh, he's a, a perfect villain. Yeah. But he is, he's not like mustache twirling, no. you know, hand wringing. He's like that that scene where he's like lowering the nuke and he's looking like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost he's- sad and frightened to be doing this thing, yeah. but like he's just got to do it. Like it, it's it's really compelling. Mm. Yeah, and I love the the variety in the rest of the seals where there's like some of them that'll like go along unquestionably with him and then there's some of the other yeah. guys that are like, what the fuck are you doing? No, this is crazy. You don't have authority to go to phase three without- Talking yeah. topside, you, you yeah, don't have yeah. authority of this. The, you're you're clearly gone nuts. Um, mm. It's not this again caricature stereotype of like, oh, all the military are evil, and yeah, all yeah. of the and all the oil workers aren't like thing. It's there's a little yeah. bit more nuance there, and everybody. I think it's well written, but also like he lets the actors and directs them really well to give that humanity to all the characters. Yeah, that they're yeah, able absolutely. to bring through. He's got that yeah. ability, unlike when you think of other huge, big blockbuster spec- spectacle film makers like a Michael Bay. Mm, yes, I was having the same thought, yep. It's like, well, one, he's just way better at coming up with scenarios that are the action set pieces and how to add extra elements to each one to raise stakes and get yeah. you really invested and keep you on the edge of your seat through planning those yeah. well, but it's also the human characters that actually fucking matter. Yeah, yeah, that, definitely. That, that and you actually relate to in a, where in a, like, you know, like a Transformers movie, the human mm, characters mm. are like nothing because it's just like, I want to see me smash my toys together. Yes, yeah. He really fucking takes his time with this movie. This movie in general takes its time um, and that makes all of those action set pieces and moments where the stakes are, are so high really, really effective because mm. by that point you've spent all this time with these people, you've gotten to know them, you've gotten to like them, you've gotten to care about them. And so seeing them in danger, holy fuck. Yeah. I love as well, like Lindsay's character is excellent. It's it's a hard thing to go, I'm going to make this like a, mostly an unlikable character from the outset but still make yeah. you care about them and not, mm. again, in that stereotypical way of like, oh, she's a, she's a bitch, she's a, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a complicated relationship because they're in the process of getting divorced. He's the captain of the ship. Mm. She designed mm. the underground oil rig thing. It's like a prototype kind of thing. She's really mm. fucking pissed off that the military's commandeering it. I can't believe you're letting them do this. Hi, Lens. I thought you were in Houston. I was. Now I'm here. Only here isn't where I left it, is it, bud? Wasn't up to me. Jesus, we were that close to proving a submersible drilling platform could work. I can't believe you let them grab my rig. Your rig? My rig. I designed the damn thing. Yeah, and Benthic Petroleum paid for it, so as long as they're holding a pink slip, I go where they tell me. I had a lot riding on this, and they bought you, didn't they? More like rented you cheap. But she's got, like, good motivations behind all of those things, and everything stays true to everybody's characters in general like she's yeah. not just a bitch because she's a bitch yeah she has priorities and reasons of why she disagrees with those things and yeah. then yeah. different members of the crew it's not just like oh everybody fucking hates her and can't stand her mm. one night obviously hates her because she does the little th- throw up vomit <laughs> gesture thing but then yeah. fucking hippies like oh probably shouldn't have married her then if you did fucking you know yeah, like her yeah, like he yeah, doesn't yeah. actually have any like massive issues with her and you know jammer no, and stuff no. like that likes her well enough because they don't have any reason to not like her the way that bud has a reason to have beef with her yeah of course and i think like the way that one night doesn't uh you know makes the, the does the gagging thing a lot of people seem to have the attitude of like oh she's a ball breaker like she and and she has that speech where she's talking to bud when he's going down saying like you know I've like trained to be a cast iron bitch. Yeah, and you you get the feeling that she's had to put on that front to be taken seriously and mm. to get as far as she's gotten. And I don't know, she, her character feels well rounded. You know, yeah. she's not just a, a a bitch to like you say for the sake of being a bitch. Or I, I feel like she's not just a a, a bitch because that's how you write strong female characters or some shit. Like, mm. yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel like uh, lazy or 
it feels like every character's humanity is taken into account, and I feel like that's what uh, what I really like about this movie, and what I really like about James Cameron's stuff in general is that yes, he he has usually an environmental bent to uh, his his output, but I think it's coming from a, a place of fundamentally liking humans and and feeling like, come on, we can do better. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, totally. We're we're, we're capable of really wonderful things. You know we're complex and weird and and fucked up, but we can we can do this. Uh, and I, I really like that. You mentioned uh, Michael Bay, and uh, I was thinking, does uh, does James Cameron have like a distinct directorial style? Do you think? I, I feel as though he he shoots really spectacular stuff, but his the way he shoots it isn't part of the spectacle. I don't think so. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's fairly like kind of clean and just yeah, like it's very readable and it yeah, looks nice. Yeah. But there isn't like a distinct way no, of like it even, looking even, like like a Wes Anderson or something where it's like he always even uses this type of lens film. and frames or yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a, even a Spielberg film like his his Hollywood shit looks like you know oh that's, that looks like a, there's the Spielberg oneer like mm. he's got calling cards. Um, and and uh, in the case of Michael Bay, it's like you know Bayhem. Like yeah, he he has a very particular idea of what is of how to shoot something that is dynamic, and it's it mm. so calls attention to itself, and it's so gaudy and uh, uh, ugly. It's fucking ugly. Whereas <laughs> this is is really uh, I don't know, just fucking effective. Mm. Yeah, it's weird because it's. I feel like going like, no, he doesn't have a style. But at the same time, there is. I know that there's like there's a huge technical understanding of how so many things work yeah. around that stuff. And when I don't know how to how to describe it, but when I watched Alita: Battle Angel, which is a film that James Cameron was originally going to direct, mm. I like when I was in my you know peak Avatar hype i'm reading about everything i can try and read about and i come mm. along to this story that james cameron's going to adapt this japanese manga into this mm. series of cyberpunk dystopian movies and that piques my interest one because it's james cameron too because i go oh he doesn't really like adapt a lot of material normally he writes stuff himself mm. uh, so that got me interested so i started reading that manga and the original plan was he was going to go like i'm going to direct i'm going to make avatar one and then alita one and then I'm going to go back and do Avatar two and then Alita two and they were both going to be tr- trilogies that he was going to do mm. like zigzagging one after the other. Mm. Uh, then plans change. He decides that Avatar is going to be five movies, not three, and he's going to like make all of them at once. So instead of putting Alita on hold for that long, he goes, "I'm going to produce it. I'm going to write. I've written the script, co-written it with somebody, and now Robert Rodriguez is going to come and take over mm. and direct Alita." But when I sat down and watched that in the cinema, it doesn't have the calling cards of Robert Rodriguez when you watch it. It mm-hmm. feels like Robert Rodriguez trying to do it in that style of James Cameron. All right. Which maybe you could just cynically say it's with less flair and, you know, cheap run and gunness that Rodriguez does and mm-hmm. more, a little bit maybe more sterile if you don't like the flamenco guitar stings. Yeah, yeah. There's no, like, cock-mounted revolvers or anything (laughs) in it. But there is something about it there that when I watch that movie, I go, Robert Rodriguez is mimicking James Cameron's style in this movie, and I really liked it for that. And it has all of those really proficient technical qualities about it, and it has all of that really excellently well-framed, well-thought-out action. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah I, I really don't know how to define it, but there is something there. It's mm. a bit of that. It's always the lazy way of of saying it when you can't, you don't have the words to describe what it actually is. You go, oh, it's just that little bit of magic. It's that little bit of James Cameron <laughs> magic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's like uh, a a really thorough understanding of the uh, the technical side of, of filmmaking and how to utilise that in a way that resonates with an audience yeah. or something. I don't know. It's it's like it's it's really like just fundamentally good entertaining filmmaking. It feels like, you know, maybe there's a little bit less little less restraint maybe in his later movies, but it always feels like there is a consciousness of he's a fucking nerd for this stuff. He loves under the ocean. He loves all this technology and everything. He's so technical with making it, but he knows that like 
I can't just make this movie for myself and be mm. entirely 100% nerdy and technical. I need to pull that back and have something there for yeah. everybody to what like yeah get involved with and yeah can still I feel like you can still see that in Avatar but in the, in the, in that other way it's like yeah but everything's CG now so he has total yeah. control of everything and every different environment and thing and whatever and he can spend so much time meticulously looking at all these tiny little things that are just for him that nobody's going to notice but people will notice the actual story with real characters and heart and the the like genuine emotional reasons to care about the story. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think I like I like this more where he's uh he's got parameters to work within. It's still a, it's a real yes. space yeah. that he has to know how to utilize and he does so so well. Mm, um absolutely. I really like the way he stages uh and blocks dialogue scenes. Uh like the the scene where um the scene where Lindsay uh is like flying off the handle about them and Bud is trying to like calm her down and they they take the walk around the other side of this like pillar in the middle of the the uh the room mm. um or just outside the room that they were just talking in and they uh, Bud's trying to like keep her to to like keep her voice down and stuff the just the way the the camera kind of tracks around and then back around as they kind of figure out where they're going to stand and have this conversation it feels yeah. really fucking natural yeah um but also like they land in the perfect spot for it to be a, a lovely, cinematically, beautifully framed shot. I think that's what it sort of comes down to. It's like like a lot of things are really beautifully framed and look nice to me when I watch his movies, but they don't just look like lazy or the typical way that you would think, oh, this is a pretty shot that's framed like this. Mm. Like the conversation scenes aren't just lazy, boring like close-ups and mid-shots back and forwards over the shoulders. No, it's not just coverage. Yeah, and now the action is just coverage either. I feel like he has, I'm going to sound like such a big fucking fanboy trying to convert people when, because it's like- I can see your fucking hand shaking. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my James Cameron. That's my Italian coming out. (laughs) When his movies are great for 3D, the Avatar movies are great in 3D because it's not just- Whenever the action is framed, it's not just framed like we're looking at it from a flat perspective of this camera angle. He, mm. The placement of the cameras is always in a really interesting direction and angle that gives you really good coverage. And it, it's so readable of like where people are and who's coming from what side of the frame. But it's giving you this really interesting viewpoint to that scenario that it's not just, oh, we're looking at it from a wide angle so we can see the coverage so that we know mm. what's going on. And that's why 3D makes sense because it's like he's getting into these interesting angles and perspectives that aren't just your basic boring action coverage. Yeah. And then with 3D film, that enhances that quality more than other action directors. Yeah, that are a little bit more flat or like, yeah, just a little bit more by the numbers. Mm. Uh, Speaking of the action sequences, uh, that, that whole fucking crane sequence. Oh, my God. Uh, on the edge of my seat, dude. Yeah, they just keep... That, that is a great example of where they just keep, like, raising stakes and raising stakes where you go... Yeah. We, we've had the, the sort of... The setup is that Bud's still wearing his wedding ring and she's like, why are you, why are you still wearing <laughs> yeah, that? And he yeah, fucking yeah, gets yeah. angry after the argument, throws it in the blue toilet and then comes back in annoyed and fishes it out and stuff. And you get that comedic relief of the people being like, Bud, you know your hand's blue. <laughs> and then... You get the seals going down to retrieve the warhead. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's right when the hurricane's coming and they're like, this is the, the little submarine unit that we need to detach the cord, the umbilical cord from the boat above us. It's the mm. only one that can do it. And they've taken it out for that. And there's a hurricane coming. Cuts to like two hours when they return and they're like, we've got to try and fucking get this unattached straight away. And it's the suspense and the, you know, the urgency of being like, we need to detach this. Come on, hurry up. And then the crane up top that's connected to the cable fucking smashes and gets yeah. pulled down. We lost the crane. Say again, what? The crane. We've lost the crane. It's on its way down to you. All right, everybody. Everybody ready for impact. And you're like, oh my god! Well, it's great. It's like initially the the whole boat is like pulling the the thing at, at, on the floor along with it, mm. and then the crane breaks off. 
So it's it's and then you're waiting for the crane to to hit up top and it lands like right next to them and you're like, oh my god! And then it starts rolling off the cliff and you go like, ah, oh, we're not out of the woods yet. Mm. It's fucking wonderful. And then meanwhile, internally. They're all like, oh, shit, we got to secure this and that. And then the room with all the batteries in it fucking explode and the whole door comes off and hits the dude. You're like, holy fuck. And then places start flooding. Bud's trying to, like, help those other people that get stuck inside and, like, doors start automatically sealing off and they get stuck in there. And he's trying to tell them to, like, cut this wire to kill the hydraulics and they can't hear him and stuff, and you're watching them drown, and you're like, that's fucking awful. And then it mm. starts happening to him, and you're like, holy shit. And then he puts his hand in the door, and you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then it fucking hits the fucking wedding ring, and that wedding ring is, like, holding it open. And so then he's able to, like, scream to the people to come and help him as the water level is rising so high, and you can see it rising. Mm. And then they fucking finally, like, slice the cables and pull it open and the water rushes out and you're like oh my god the release and him like looking at the ring in disrelief and like fucking kissing it and his eyes are like bugging out of his head because he can't believe it (laughs) it's so excellent it is uh it's um it reminds me a little bit of that scene in uh and i don't know if this was a an intentional kind of nod but who knows i wouldn't be surprised if it was um to the scene in jurassic park 2 the lost world where the the uh, truck is like hanging off the cliff. Mm. They keep raising the stakes very similarly. It's like you know, just when you think you're out of the woods, nope. There's there's this thing that you hadn't considered until until it's staring you in the face. Yeah, and and yeah, it's it's just really really fucking effective. It's great. Mm. Yeah, there's like so many like hectic fast paced moments, and then just like tiny little beats of like when we're when they're watching the the crane's been lost, and they're watching that huge cable coil down, and it's just like fuck. Everybody brace for impact. Like, we can't do anything more, and we're just mm. waiting. And you can just see it mm. ro- coiling, coiling, coiling down. And you're just yeah, like, oh, shit, yeah. shit, shit. So you get these, like, still moments of, like, quiet waiting yeah, and yeah. anticipation. And then, oh, holy crap, all hell yeah, breaks loose. That- and then it starts getting hectic and fast. And It's that eye of the storm shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Eye of the storm, exactly. So good. You're speaking of Michael Bay, and you don't know whether it's, you know, uh, certain things aren't nods to it. I was it was surprised I never thought of it before, but like Armageddon is like a stupider version of this movie. <laughs> Armageddon's like, we need to we need to dig a hole into this asteroid and blow it up with a nuke so it saves the world. We're gonna need to get the best team of oil rig workers in the fucking yeah, United yeah, States yeah. to go on this space journey to do it. Where in this it's like, no, there's this underground oil rig here. It is this close. It's only 2,200 miles or whatever it is from the crashed nuclear sub in the time that the, the the military, the Navy could get their own gear out there. Then the Russians would and all these other nations, ships closing in, it gets too dicey. So they're like, this mm. makes more sense. We're going to commandeer this and offer everybody triple pay to do it. And you go, mm. no, this, this seems feasible and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the people on the oil rig are doing their jobs. Like mm. they're not suddenly having to be astronauts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They are they are facilitating these Navy SEALs who are like, yep, they are members of the Navy that have been trained in all of those situations of deep sea diving and all of those things. So they're aware mm. of a lot of that pressure sensitivity stuff. Like I guess it's a fun way of them having to depressurize for like eight hours in this tub, and she's like, you know. The way that she is, the the technical smart one that designed everything. She's so aware of this. She's about she's ready to like run these guys through it. And it's mm. instead of it being just like boring exposition, it's like, oh, here's the exposition. And they're like, let's watch each other closely for signs of HPNS. High pressure nervous syndrome. Muscle tremors usually in the hands first. Nausea, increased excitability, disorientation. In a partridge in a pear tree. We all know this. We're fucking, we're top of the line, fucking cool Navy SEAL shit. We've done this before. We know what depressurizing is. Yeah. And it gives it a little bit of a back and forth to make it not like boring. Yeah, yeah. And you get you get a sense of the um the subtle differences between each of the Navy SEALs, dude. Like Michael Bean's character is a bit of a braggart and a bit of a cunt. Mm. Uh and there's the the one who ends up kind of on their side on the, the side of the the um riggers later de- like later on in the movie is kind of taking it seriously and he's a bit more studious and a bit more um seems to respect uh, yeah. the the knowledge of 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 her and stuff mm, exactly. Speaking of like technical 
nerdy shit that James Cameron loves. That um, the like the oxygenated pink fluid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's fucking real. Wow, that's real. It exists. The scene where they put the rat in it. Yeah, that's a real rat in the real liquid. It's not a puppet. Oh my god! I was wondering like how they did that. Yeah, because it's it's fucking fascinating. Again, it's that way of like this is exposition for later of knowing that it's like hey yeah when you go really deep uh the pressure of oxygen in your suit can't handle it and it'll fucking explode out of your helmet so yeah. you need to get rid of all of the oxygen so it has to be this liquid that doesn't fuck up the pressure of your of your suit very uh-huh. similar to like what space stuff is yeah yeah um and yeah it makes it a really interesting way of exposition because it's not just Oh, we have this oxygenated liquid. What's that on the table? Oh, well, this is what it does. You go, here, let me show you what it does. Wham, put this fucking rat in this little uh, this little metal cage thing and pop him in the, in the fluid. Yeah, and yeah. See that reaction of it going through the stages of panic and stuff and then learning how yeah. to breathe with it and having Pippi actually being worried and concerned for the rat at the same time. It, it doesn't take you out of the movie and go... Here are the rules. Time to explain yeah. things. You go, no, this is fucking, it's fascinating. Yeah, totally. And then by the time it comes back and, and uh, fucking Bud's got to do it. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God. Now, question, did they make Bud do that? Did no. they make? No. Okay. So the, the trick that they do with that, because it's, you know, it's a bit weird and, yeah, the ethicalness of doing it to a human. Ethically, you know, some people would have issues with doing it to the rat as well. But Yeah, sure. They're like, this is a bit too dangerous and weird and fucked up to do it to the actor so it's the old trick of having a double layered visor of the Ah, helmet and they fill the liquid in the the gap between the two pieces right he's got regular air underneath gotcha that's why when you see it like filling up in that scene Mm. his face is like so magnified in it yeah like face looks real big because of the multiple layers of glass Uh, that makes sense that's cool yeah but still very very cool it again makes it, it's a, it's a riveting scene when he goes down there and he's doing that deep dive and he's going through shock and stuff and he's having mm. to type on a fucking pad in there. Like the fact that it's not a dialogue scene, it's a scene of one person talking to a yeah. microphone and reading a screen with green text on it. Yeah, and you're yeah, still yeah. fucking invested and like yeah, caring so yeah, much. Absolutely. Um, as much as the action sequences in this movie, uh, the action set pieces in this movie are thrilling and and great and all that it's the the more um i guess they're still set pieces but i don't i I feel like calling them action set pieces is is like not accurate but Mm. the the scenes involving you know one or two characters or just like the the characters having to overcome absurd odds that you don't you just you you don't know if they're going to get out of this this thing alive um, that revival scene. Oh my goodness! Is ridiculous, dude. Holy it is shit! It's fucking insane. That again, it's a, it's adding that extra level of Michael Bean's character. Coffee. He's gone crazy. He's got the nuke attached to the thing. They've swam over to try and stop him, and they've had like the fist fight and the knife fight and all that shit. Yeah, and yeah. Fucking um, what's his name? Catfish or whatever it is. When he says he can't swim to the moon pool and then he does and he fucking punches him in the face with like one of the best like punches in a movie ever. It's like so (laughs) powerful. And you're like, yeah, the hammer, the hammer. And then it's like, he got in the sub and now he's getting away. And now we've got to chase him in the sub to stop Mm. the nuke. And we're trying to grab the nuke by the fucking rope and stuff with the little robot arm. All that's so incredible and crazy. And then they beat him. He's fucking sub sinks and then explodes in such a- well, like, like implodes. Implodes, it's, it's yeah, awesome. from the pressure yeah. of the, like, so a visceral shot of him, like, yeah. screaming as the, the glass is cracking. Mm. And you go, oh, we stopped him. And it's like, no, we're, f- we're still fucked. Yeah. Like, our, our submarine is flooding. We're too far away from the, the actual rig. We've only got one suit. You've got the suit on. And you're a much better swimmer than I am, right? Yeah, maybe. Right? Just yes. So I've got a plan. What's the plan? I drowned and you tow me back to the rig. No. No. Yes, this water. No. Only a couple of degrees above freezing. I go into deep hypothermia. My blood will go like ice water. Right? My body systems will slow down. They won't stop. Then... You tow me back and I can, I can be revived after... Maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Lynch, put this on. Minutes. You put no, it on. it's the only way. You just put this on. 
Put this on, you know I'm right. The way that uh, he lets it play out mm. is really, really, really fucking great. Because, like, I, I don't know, it, it feels like everything else we've talked about in this movie. It feels so genuine and so natural. Mm. The way she's shivering and, and starting to panic as the, the water's rising and then oh. she, she's there's one point where she's just like, I'm scared, I'm scared. And you're like, oh, no. And yeah, then when she's yeah. hugging him and he, he feels her, like, grip, go like limp. Go. Oh. oh, my God. Yeah. And then that whole sequence of them trying to revive her and it, it goes on and on and on and you're, you're like, she's gone. She's absolutely gone. Like, they're going to let this character die. Mm. And then he keeps going and it's not in, like, it's not like the music kicks in or the, they do anything to reassure you that she's going to be all right. Yeah, right no, up until you, her at that eyes point, flutter. Yeah. You're you're like, oh my God, they are actually gonna let her die and this this is heartbreaking. Yeah, it looks like it could just be the scene being like, we're gonna let you watch this dude's grief play out. Yeah, yeah. In this yeah, scene. yeah. You don't know yet. You're not off the hook yet. No. No! No, she has a strong heart. She wants to live. Come on, Liz. Come on, baby. Zapper again. Do it! Charge it. Do it! Come on, baby. Clear. Come on, baby. Clear! (laughs) It's incredible. I really appreciate that as well because that's when we're talking about this movie sidestepping stereotypes part of what like a movie stereotype is how short everybody always tries to resuscitate people in movies or in like medical dramas yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, like clear yeah. boosh, and they do it like three times. And they're like, they're gone. And they've been doing it yeah. for like a minute. And it's like in real life, like she says, they do spend like 10, 15 minutes trying to revive people and keep the heartbeat going. They mm. don't just give up that quickly. Um, so I like that this movie does take a little bit more of the, like the realistic approach to it. That's like a as like a secondary consequence to the real reason, which is like the good story reasons and the character reasons, the emotional reasons that you're yeah, yeah. saying as well. Yeah, it's still theatrical yeah, and, yeah. and stuff. Or it's not just doing it for the sake of like, look at how realistic we are, but you're not caring about anything while it's happening. And you're like, oh, yeah, this isn't good. <laughs> like, I don't care if this is a yeah, realistic yeah, exactly. gunfight yeah. or a sword fight or a medical procedure or not. Like- if it's not actually entertaining yeah. and boring and making me lose interest in the yeah, movie, it's fucking boring. then it's not serving yep. the, the purpose it should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, is fucking wonderful. And and similarly, they, they kind of flip the dynamic a little bit when uh, Bud's sinking down with the, the fluid in his lungs and stuff. Yeah. And there's that candle speech that she oh, gives. Oh, so like, good. Oh, it's so sweet. I had a, I had a feeling... My fingers crossed that you were gonna you were gonna love this movie and love that that candle scene. It was yeah, like yeah, I, did, I wasn't I sure did. how you would go because again I was like it's three hours long yeah, and there's yeah, all of yeah. these like nerdy cool sci-fi things that I like about it. Three hour water level, come on! Yeah. <laughs> no, that was yeah, and I go I, I know I, for a fact that he's gonna fucking love the candles like speech. Yeah. But yeah, is he yeah. going to spend like two and a half hours not being won over by the movie to finally get yeah. won over by the candle speech? Or is he going to love it from like, yeah, the rest of it? Yeah, I think um, I was kind of uh, wriggling a little bit in my chair for the first like half an hour or so, basically up to that um, the scene of them singing in the doing the, the little country sing along. Yeah. That kind of made, that made me smile. Yeah, that made me smile so much. So I was like. Okay, like I'm, I'm on board with these characters, mm. and then the the crane sequence, that whole crane sequence. I was like, okay, you've got me. Like I'm, I'm completely on board now. Yeah, I, 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 I've got to see because that was that's at like the hour mark or something. I'm like, I, I, I want to see how you manage to outdo yourself. Like, how do you, how do you top that? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was real, uh, a real thrill to see just how he manages to keep. Those plates spinning, keep those balls in the air, keep raising those stakes. Yeah. You know, all those fucking tired <laughs> analogies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've t- talked about some technical things, but I guess we can talk about special effects wise. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I really like the um, the reveal of the the alien. It's not even like the the full scale alien ship, but when um, when Lindsay sees the the you know quite big ship mm. for the first time and and like glides a hand along it and stuff. Yeah, I love that it's uh, something beautiful. Yeah, you know, and and it's never shown as something 
terrifying. Even when that dude sees it and we see the reflection of it in his helmet, it looks kind of alien, but it doesn't look... It's not, um, you know, it's not a xenomorph. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. And they never kind of, they never kind of bury the lead or try to make you think it. it it's that really. Mm, yeah. There's a bit of a bit of horror, maybe um, intrigue at the at the start. You know, what's going 130 knots? Probably evil. You know, <laughs> only something evil go, could go that fast. Why do you need to go that fast underwater if if not for insidious designs? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, when we finally see it, it, it is something beautiful and they, they just show it and you're like, oh, my God, this is this is gorgeous. And the effect, I think, holds up really, really well. Yeah, it's cool. Even, like- even the CG water thing, like, mm, mm, mm. doesn't uh, – the way it moves and, and the way it looks doesn't look so funky. Like, it's, no. it surprises me that this is an effect from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's know? incredible. So this is uh, – so in terms of, like, the, the beautiful – alien like ship thing that she sees the little one those are like models and puppets and miniatures and stuff okay um they're not like full cg um and yeah i love the design i love how they're you know all this like they're they're, they're the the direct opposite of the blue underwater tones that we're having this whole movie is this like bright purple glow that gives it a really nice contrast it's cool how transparent it is and stuff that you can kind of see through it it's yeah. You can see that the inspiration is definitely coming from deep sea creatures like those angler fishes and stuff that have like bioluminescence and that they have transparency parts of yeah. their skin and everything. Yeah, really cool design in a type of alien that you haven't seen before. It doesn't just look like a stereotypical alien. The CG water effects is yeah. They like I think they hold up really well. It's this is pre like Jurassic Park or Terminator mm. Two which are the movies that we've talked about previously that are like some of the oldest CG stuff to hold mm, up. Yeah. I can't remember exactly if this is maybe the, like bef- maybe Tron is maybe before this, but this is like one of the first times like just CG is in a film at all for mm. 89. You know, it's like in like the top three, first three movies maybe, but it's used so well that yeah, it makes it hold up really well. They mm. knew what the limitations are. So doing like a water tunnel funny looking thing, that's an easier thing to replicate than something else that they couldn't do at the time. Like mm. the way that the it like mimics their faces is like close enough that you can tell that it's their faces, but also like what does a face look like when it's made out of water? It's not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the way that they get it to like when it splashes, when they cut, they close the door and it gets cut off and stuff from the source. Mm. that really sells it where they're they're like they're just doing some good editing and cutting to like real physical water splashing on them and stuff yeah yeah getting that like that light the way that like when the you get that glow of the the shimmery reflections of light off of the water and stuff they they do that well yeah like it looks really really good for the most part yeah it places it all kind of in the scene in the physical space Mm. really nicely you can really see where this like sort of water effect goes in two years to become the liquid metal of the T-1000. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. for sure. And um, and I like too that as well as it just, again, on a technical level, they managed to place it in the scene really well. It's not all just uh, technique. Yeah. Character-wise, all of the characters react to this thing in the way that they should based mm. on mm. who they are as people. Yeah. So like the the military guy, who the Navy, guy, Navy SEAL guy who you know isn't such a cunt, also reacts to this thing with some some wonder and awe and sees it as something you know confusing but but you know beautiful. But Michael Bean's character it makes it, it, it's you know manages to call back to the the line from earlier. Well, we all see what we want to see. Coffee looks and he sees Russians. He sees hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that. Like he see he does see. A Russian bogey, like he, yeah. he's still he's he's being shown this this unreal, uh, un, uh, this thing of, of unimaginable uh, beauty, and he sees something to be terrified of and something yeah. to destroy. Mm. Yeah, I love hippie seeing it and being like, I don't think that that was the alien. I think that was their probe. This is what like big geek and little geek are for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, everybody's seeing it with their own experiences and outlook on the world and that's how they're Mm. reacting to it 
yeah, most of the effects have aged pretty well when you look at the scenes that are the gigantic tidal waves at the end. Yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, that, that looks all right. Again, you're thinking that's not 89 effects, that's like 1993 effects because they yeah, went back and yeah. did it and like finished those shots off. It looks pretty good. There's a few shots where there's like, there's like heaps of this movie was like shot underwater for real. They've got those those submarine little like two man, three man units and stuff like that that have the arms on them. They've got them for real. But in some of the bigger shots where there's like three of them all at once and stuff, there's like miniature aspects of that because they don't have tanks big enough to show all of them all at once and stuff. So yeah, yeah. there's parts where the 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 like the interior through the little glass porthole in the front is like reprojected in there or whatever or like yeah yeah composited okay. in to the miniature yeah. version and there's a couple of those where you go like oh the lighting in there looks a little bit funny yeah. compared to where I've seen it shot from outside the water and I can see all the way in a bit better yeah but yeah I think it it's pretty still pretty seamless like none of it good. takes me out of the picture mm, yeah yeah again if some people have more sensitivity to like non CG special effects like that when they've grown up with only CG, they go like, oh, that looks really old and stuff. Again, it feels like it's that point of like Titanic and Avatar didn't have that when you watch them like 10 years later yeah. in the same way. It feels like this is like him reaching like a little bit too far for what he could do at the time. Um, and he's been very aware of the constraints of what the technology can do after, after this mm. to great effect. Yeah, no, I, I really love this movie. I was so surprised. I was so surprised that like previous me didn't enjoy this when I when I finally saw it when I was like seventeen or something. And I was like, "This is amazing! This is so cool!" <laughs> Just the premise itself. I love the idea that instead of uh, this is maybe closer in kind of structure and premise to the first Alien film than what his second Alien film was. Mm. But it's this really genius thing of like, yeah, when you're in a spaceship stuck in space, it's really claustrophobic because you can't go outside because there's no atmosphere and this and that. This is the perfect way of telling like a story about aliens and being stuck on a ship, but not setting it in space, just doing the same yeah. thing. Go, oh, if we just go deeper underwater instead of higher mm. into the sky, it's just as a hostile environment as what space yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And we can get that same, we can kind of, yeah, ring everything for, you know, what it's worth the same way that we can with an out, out of space vacuum and things getting broken and losing air and losing heating and all of those things mm. we can do it but do it underwater and i go oh that's so cool yeah and yeah it, it makes it a bit more visually distinct than just trying to be another alien film set in yeah. space yeah 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 totally yeah so big big fan of that that idea so glad that you're a big fan now and that yeah won you I'm over a, so I'm a convert. Much. yep incredible Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and would like to support us in our further endeavours to, you know, spread the James Cameron word, you should recommend this to a friend. Say, hey, yes. did you like that pink liquid that was breathable in the abyss? You should you should listen to this podcast. They got some fun <laughs> facts about that. If you want to support us on a monetary level, though, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash rose tinted review and chuck us a couple of bucks to get access to all of our bonus exclusive series over there. Yes, content, content, content. Which where soon-ish we'll talk a little bit about Avatar 2 maybe, which is the main reason why I picked this movie because there's a lot of underwater stuff in Avatar 2 that uh, reminded me a lot of The Abyss as ah, well as Titanic fine. and that's what made me want to revisit this. Links to all of our social media's accounts are in the episode description. You can hit us up on any of those to answer our question of the episode. What song would you sing with your crewmates underwater <laughs> to have a, a, a nice camaraderie? Why would it be Limp Biscuit? Next week, Connor, what, what are you feeling nostalgic for? All right, so I want to hit up a movie that we mentioned in passing to one another over the break. Ooh. I, I think I brought it up as like, oh, remember this movie? And you're like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of like uh, that's to David Fincher what The Abyss is to James Cameron. I want to hit up The Game, 1997. Oh, yes. The Game. Nice. Yeah, the, the, like, the kind of the lesser known one yeah. in their library that's kind of like mid their career before like they've had their yeah it's like three three or four films in yeah maybe it's like a little bit of a dip in their careers be between peaks but still maybe really fucking solid 
Yeah, maybe. We'll have to find out. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I'm not sure if it's really fucking solid. <laughs> I'll have to find out when I... To be fair, I've only actually watched the game once, so... Me too, yeah. Who knows? Excellent. Really good pick. Very excited. You should watch along as well, like we always say. Treat it like a book club and you'll get even better context and you'll enjoy the episode more. So join us next time when we find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. If you give me